Chapter 11. The Wonderful City of Oz. Even with eyes protected by the green spectacles, Dorothy and her friends were at first dazzled by the brilliancy of the wonderful city. The streets were lined with beautiful houses, all built of green marbles. Sorry? Green marble. Although I would like to see it. A house made out of marbles. <clears throat> and studded everywhere were sparkling emeralds. They walked over a pavement of the same green marble where the blocks were joined together with rows of emeralds set closely and glittering in the brightness of the sun. The window panes were of a green glass. Then the sky above the city had a green tint and the rays of the sun were green. Now, could that just be because you're wearing glasses? Like, why, why even bother making everything green if everything already looks green? There were many people, men, women, cameras, TVs, and children walking about. And they were all dressed in green clothes and had greenish skins. Skins? They had more than one? They looked at Dorothy and her strangely assorted company with wondering eyes. And the children all ran away and hid behind their mothers when they saw the lion, but no one spoke to them. Many shops stood in the street, and Dorothy saw that everything in them was green. Green candy and green popcorn were offered for sale, as well as green shoes, green hats, and green clothes of all sorts. At one place, a man was selling green lemonade. And when the children bought it, they could see they had paid for it with green pennies. I think we get it. The lizard is green. There seemed to be no horses nor animals of any kind, except hopefully some lizards. The men carried things around in little green carts, which they pushed before them. Everyone seemed happy and contented and prosperous. That's usually... A sign that there is something terrible under the underbelly of the empire. Just saying. The guardian of the gates led them through the streets until they came to a big building, exactly in the middle of the city, which was the palace of Oz, the great lizard. There was a soldier before the door, dressed in a green uniform and wearing a long green beard. Wearing a beard? Hello, I'm going to put on my beard today. Oh, no. Here are strangers, said the guardian of the gates. I'm going to name him uh, Bill Gates. Uh, and they demand to see the great Oz. Step inside, answered the soldier, and I will carry your message to him. So they passed through the palace gates, and they were led into a big room with a, a green carpet and a lovely green furniture set with emeralds. The soldier made them all wipe their feet upon a green mat. Before entering the room, where they were all seated, he said politely, Make yourselves comfortable while I go to the door of the throne room and tell Oz that you are here. They had to wait a long time before the soldier returned. When at last he came back, Dorothy said, Have you seen Oz? Oh, no, returned the soldier. I have never seen him. But I spoke to him where he sat behind his screen, and he gave me your message. He said he will grant you an audience if you such desire, but each one of you must enter his presence alone. And he said he will admit each of you one day. Therefore, you must remain in the palace for several days. I will have you shown to your rooms where you may rest in comfort after your journey. 
Sorry, it takes it takes a day? What is the lizard doing? Uh, thank you, replied the girl. That is very kind of Oz. The soldier now blew upon a green whistle, and at once a young girl, dressed in a pretty green silk gown, entered the room. She had lovely green hair and green eyes, and she bowed low before Dorothy as she said, Follow me, and I will show you to your room. So Dorothy said goodbye to all of her friends except Toto. And, taking the dog up into her arms, she followed the green girl through seven passages and up three flights of stairs until they came to a room in front of the palace. It was the sweetest little room in the world, with a soft, comfortable bed that had sheets of green silk and a green velvet counterpane. There was a tiny fountain in the middle of the room, There, whoa, which shot a spray of green perfume into the air to fall back into the beautifully carved green marble basin. Beautiful green flowers stood in the windows, and there was a shelf with a row of little orange books. Just kidding, they were green. When Dorothy had time to open these books, she found them full of queer green pictures that made her laugh. They were so funny. They were probably lizard memes. Just gonna guess. In a wardrobe, there were many green dresses made of silk and satin and velvet, and all of them fitted Dorothy exactly. That's weird. Make yourself perfectly at home, said the green girl. And if you wish for anything, ring the bell. Oz will send for you tomorrow morning. I feel like the green girl should have a name. So I'm going to call her Matilda. She left Dorothy alone, Matilda, and went back to the others. These she also led to rooms, and each one of them found himself lodged in a very pleasant part of the palace. Of course, this politeness was wasted on the scarecrow, for when he found himself alone in his room, he stood stupidly in one spot, just within the doorway, to wait until morning. It would not rest him to lie down, and he could not close his eyes, so he remained staring at the little spider, which was weaving a web in the corner of the room, just as if it were not one of the most wonderful rooms in the world. Okay, there are animals here. A spider. The tin woodman lay down on his bed from force of habit, for he remembered when he had been made of flesh, but not being able to sleep, he passed the night moving his joints up and down to make sure that they were kept in good working order. Um, the lion would have preferred a bed of dried leaves in the forest but did not, and did not like being shut up in a room. But he had too much sense to let this worry bother him, so he sprang upon the bed and rolled himself up like a cat and purred himself to sleep in a minute. The next morning after breakfast, the green maiden, Matilda, came to fetch Dorothy, and she, and she dressed her in one of the prettiest gowns made of green brocaded satin. Dorothy put on a green silk apron and tied a green ribbon around Toto's neck, and they started for the throne room of the great Oz. First they came to a great hall where there were many ladies and gentlemen of the court, all dressed in rich costumes. The people had nothing to do but talk to each other. Well, that's the worst. But they came to wait outside the throne room every morning, although they were never permitted to see Oz. As Dorothy entered, they looked at her curiously, and one of them whispered, are you really going to look upon the face of Oz the Terrible? Of course, answered the girl, if he will see me. Oh, he will see you, said the soldier who had taken the message to the lizard. Although he does not like to have people ask to see him, 
Indeed, he was at first very angry and said I should send you back to where you came from. Then he asked me what you looked like, and when I mentioned your silver shoes, he was very much interested. At last I told him about the mark upon your forehead, and he decided to admit you to his presence. Just then a bell rang. Ring, ring, ring! And Matilda said to Dorothy, That is the signal. You must go to the throne room alone. She opened the little door, and Dorothy walked boldly through and found herself in a wonderful place. It was a big, round room with a high-arched roof, and the walls and the ceiling and the floor were covered with large emeralds set closely together. In the center of the roof was a great light, as bright as the sun, which made the emeralds sparkle in a wonderful manner. What interested Dorothy most was the big throne room of green marble that stood in the middle of the room. It was shaped like a chair and sparkled with gems as did everything else. In the center of the chair was an enormous head without a body to support it or any arms or legs, whatever. There was no hair upon this head, but it had the eyes and nose and mouth and was bigger than the head of the biggest giant. We know that the biggest giant is the jolly green one. As Dorothy gazed upon this in wonder and fear, the eyes turned slowly to look at her sharply and steadily. Then the mouth moved, and Dorothy heard a terrible voice say, I am the great and terrible. Who are you and why do you seek me? It was not such an awful voice as she expected to come from the big head, so she took courage and answered, I, I am Dorothy, the small and meek. I have come to you for help. The eyes looked at her thoughtfully for a full minute, which is objectively too long. Then the voice said, Where did you get the silver shoes? I got them from the Wicked Witch of the East when my house fell on her and killed her, she replied. Where did you get the mark upon your forehead? continued the voice. That is where the good witch of the Norse kissed me when she bade me goodbye and sent me to you, said the girl. Again the eyes looked at her sharply and saw she was telling the truth. And then Oz asked, What do you wish me to do? Send me back to Kansas where my Aunt Em and Uncle Henry are, she answered earnestly. I don't like your country. Oh, Dorothy, no. I don't like your country, although it is so beautiful. And I'm sure Aunt Em will be dreadfully worried about me being away for so long. The eyes winked three times like the Winkies. And they turned up to the ceiling and down to the floor and rolled around so queerly that it seemed to see every part of the room. And at last they looked at Dorothy again. Why should I do this for you? Asked Oz. Because you are strong and I am weak and because you are a great lizard. And I am only a helpless little girl, she answered. But you are strong enough to kill the Wicked Witch of the East, said Oz. Just happened, returned Dorothy, simply. I could not help it. Well, said the head, I will give you my answer. You have no right to expect me to send you back to Kansas unless you do something for me. In return, in this country someone must pay something for everything he gets. If you wish me to use my magic power to send you home, you must do something for me first. Help me and I will help you. What must I do? do? asked the little girl. Kill the Wicked Witch of the West, answered Oz. 
Murder? But I, but I cannot, exclaimed Dorothy, greatly surprised. You killed the wicked witch of the east, and you wear the silver shoes which bear a powerful charm. There is now one wicked witch left in all the land, and when you can tell me she is dead, I will send you back to Kansas. But not before. The little girl began to weep. She was so much disappointed, and the eyes winked again and looked upon her anxiously, as if the great Oz felt as if the great Oz felt that she could help him, if she would. I have never killed anything willingly, she sobbed, and even if I wanted to, how could I kill the wicked witch? If you, who are great and terrible, cannot kill her yourself, how, how do you expect me to do it? I do not know, said the head, but that is my answer, and until the wicked witch dies, you will not see your uncle and aunt again. Remember, remember that the wick, remember that the witch is wicked, tremendously wicked, and you ought to be killed. Sorry, and ought to be killed. Now go, and do not ask to see me again until you have done your task. Sorrowfully, Dorothy left the throne room and went back to where the lion and the scarecrow and the tin woodman were waiting to hear what Oz had said to her. There, there is no hope for me, she said sadly, for Oz will not send me home until I have killed the wicked witch of the West, and that I can never do. Her friends were sorry, but could do nothing to help her. So she went to her own room and lay down on the bed and cried herself to sleep. The next morning, the soldier with the green whiskers, as opposed to the other one, came to the scarecrow and said, Come with me, Oz has sent for you. So the scarecrow followed him and was admitted to the great lovely throne room, where he saw, sitting on the emerald throne, the most lovely lady. Huh? She was dressed in a green silk gauze and wore on her flowing green locks a crown of jewels. Growing from her shoulder were wings, gorgeous in color and so light that they fluttered if the slightest breath of air reached them. When the scarecrow had bowed, as prettily as his straw stuffing would let him, before the beautiful creature, she looked upon him sweetly and said, I am Oz, the great and terrible. Who are you, and why do you seek me? Now the scarecrow, who had expected to see the great head Dorothy had told him of, was much astonished, but he answered bravely, I am only a scarecrow stuffed with straw, therefore I have no brains, and I come to you praying that you will put brains in my head instead of straw, so that I may become as much as a man as any other in your dominions. Why should I do this for you? asked the lady. Because you are wise and powerful, and no one else can help me, answered the scarecrow. I never grant favors without some return, said Oz, but this I will promise. If you kill for me the wicked witch of the West, I will bestow upon you many great brains. And such good brains. Why? You know, people only have one brain, yes? And such good brains that you will be the wisest man in all the land of Oz. I thought you asked Dorothy to kill the witch said the scarecrow in surprise. 
lizard. Yeah, that's poor thinking on the lizard's part. So I did. I don't care who kills her, but indeed she is dead. I, but until she is dead, I will not grant your wish. Now go, and do not see me again until you have earned the brains you so greatly desire. The scarecrow went sorrowfully back to his friends and told them what Oz had said. And Dorothy was surprised to find that the great lizard was not a head, as she had seen them, but a lovely lady. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked too. All the same, said the scarecrow, she needs a heart as much as the tin woodman. On the next morning, the soldier with the green whiskers came to the tin woodman and said, Oz has sent for you. Follow me. The tin woodman followed him and came to the great throne room. He did not know whether he would find Oz a lovely lady or a head, but he hoped it would be the lovely lady. For, he said to himself, if it is a head, I am sure, I'm sure I shall not be given a heart, since a head has no heart of its own and therefore cannot feel for me. But if it is a lovely lady, I shall beg hard for a heart, for all ladies themselves are said to be kindly hearted. Oh my. <laughs> but but the woodman entered the great throne room, and he saw neither the head nor the lady, for Oz had taken the shape of a most terrible beast. It was nearly as big as an elephant, and the green throne room seemed hardly enough to hold its weight. The beast had a head like that of a rhinoceros. Only there were five eyes in its face. There were five long arms growing out of his body, and it had five long, slim legs. Thick, woolly hair covered every part of it, and a more dreadful-looking monster could not be imagined. It was fortunate the Tin Man had no heart at the moment, for if it, for if, for it would have beat loud and fast from terror. But being only Tin, the Woodman was not afraid at all, although he was much disappointed. Me too. I'm, I was hoping to see a lizard, to be honest. I am Oz the Great and ter Terrible, spake the beast. Spake? Is that a word? In a voice that was a great roar. Who are you and why do you seek me? I am a woodman made out of tin, and therefore I have no heart, and I cannot love. I pray that you give me a heart so that I may be as other men are. Why should I do this for you? demanded the beast. Because I ask it, and you alone can grant my request, <laughs> answered the woodman. Oz gave a low growl at this, but said gruffly, If you indeed desire a heart, you must earn it. How? Oh, asked the woodman. Help Dorothy kill the wicked witch of the West, replied the beast. Why didn't he have them all come in at once? When the witch is dead, come to me, and I will give you the biggest and kindest and most loving heart, in all the land of Oz. So the Tin Woodman was forced to return sorrowfully to his friends and tell them of the terrible beast he had seen. They all wondered greatly at the many forms the great lizard could take upon himself, and the lion said, If he is a beast, when I go in to see him, I shall roar. I shall roar my loudest and so frighten him that he will grant all that I ask. Oh, yeah? Is that how it's going down? I have my doubts. If he is a lovely lady, I shall pretend to spring upon her and compel her to do my bidding. No, 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 no. 
And if he is a great head, he will be at my mercy, for I will roll this head around the room. <laughs> no, you won't. Until he promises to give us what we desire. So all be of good cheer, my friends, for we will yet be well. This is the worst idea I've heard yet. Not in the book, ever. The next morning, the soldier with the green whiskers led the lion to the great to the, led the lion to the great throne room and bade him enter the presence of Oz. The lion once passed through the door, glancing around to his surprise that before the throne was a ball of fire, so fierce and glowing that he could scarcely bear to gaze upon it. His first thought was that Oz had by accident caught on fire and was burning up. <laughs> but, oh no... This lion needs a brain, too. <sighs> uh, but when he tried to go near, the heat was so intense that it singed his whiskers, and he crept back trembling to a spot nearer the door. Then a low, quiet voice came from the ball of fire where these words spoke. It's not speaking this time. It's sp spoke. I, I am always great and terrible. Who are you, and why do you seek me? And the lion answered, I'm a cowardly lion, afraid of everything. I beg you to give me courage. So in reality, I might become the king of beasts like all men say I am. Bring me proof that the wicked witch is dead. In the moment I will give you in that moment I will give you courage. But so long as the witch lives, you must remain a coward. The lion was angry at his speech, but he could say nothing in reply. And while he stood silently gazing upon the ball of fire, it became so furiously hot that he turned tail and rushed from the room. He was glad to find his friends waiting for him and told them of his terrible interview with the lizard. What shall we do now? asked, asked Dorothy sadly. There is only one thing we can do, returned the lion, and that is go to the land of the winky winkies. Seek out the wicked witch and destroy her. But but suppose we cannot, said the girl. Wait, no one has any ethical qualms about this? All of a sudden, it's the only... The ends justify the means, huh? Sounds about right. Then I shall never have courage, declared the lion. And I shall never have brains, added the scarecrow. And I shall never have a heart, spoke the woodman, the tin woodman. And I shall never see Aunt Em and Uncle Henry, said Dorothy, beginning to cry. Be careful, cried the green girl Matilda. The, your tears will fall on the green silk gown and spot it. Yeah, Dorothy. Ignore your feelings. So Dorothy dried her eyes. With what, the dress? And said, I suppose we must try it. But I'm not sure I want to kill anyone, even to see Aunt Em again. I will go with you, but I am too much of a coward to kill the witch, said the lion. I will go too, declared the scarecrow, but I shall not be of much help to you, for I am such a fool. Well, to be fair, they all are. I haven't the heart to harm even a witch, remarked the tin woodman, but I shall certainly go with you. Yes, I would like a heart so I can kill more people. Oh, boy. Therefore, it was decided to start upon their journey the next morning, and the woodman sharpened his axe upon the green grindstone and had all his joints properly oiled. The scarecrow stuffed himself with fresh straw, and Dorothy put new paint on his eyes so that he might see better. 
the green girl, who is... The green girl, Matilda, who is very kind of them, filled Dorothy's basket with good things to eat. I wouldn't say she was very kind to them. And fastened a little bell around Toto's neck with a green ribbon. They went to bed quite early and slept soundly until daylight, when they were wakened by the crowing of a green cock who had lived in the backyard of the place, and the cackling of a hen that had laid a green egg. And ham.